Hello, everyone. We are officially live this beautiful Sunday, coming to you with a really good episode today. I'm actually really excited about this. With all the craziness and everything that's been happening in the last two weeks or so, uh, we wanted to come on and actually talk about why the cryptocurrency crash is actually a good thing for us and hopefully for you as well if you were prepared. Um, wanted to uh, just say good morning, good afternoon, and good night, no matter where you are in the world. We're happy to be talking with you and having a good time today. Um, before we jump in, uh, John, how are you doing today? Doing great, man. I Well, doing as well as could be expected, right? I'm happy that we're doing this uh, particular episode themed more towards a positive spin. Um, not going to be talking about the whole FTX situation. If you want to go, you know, do more research about that, you can. But today we're going to be talking positive stuff, and I'm happy about it. Feels good. Sweet. Well, hey, speaking of positive stuff, let's talk about Randley X, our sponsors for a second. Uh, Gingerly is actually sponsored by a good friends over at Randley X. Uh, which is a simple to use app that allows you to round up your purchases into Bitcoin and other digital assets with just your spare change automatically. You don't even have to think about it. This set it and forget it tool uh, is a DCA tool that helps you build wealth safely and conveniently over time. And it actually helped John pay off his Subaru in a time of financial stress, which is pretty freaking cool. Uh, you can sign up using the code gingerly to get four extra dollars of BTC or excuse me, Bitcoin after your first roundup. If you're outside the U.S. and waiting for roundups in your country, you can start using Roundly X's idea bumps now. Market alerts. Uh, these are market alerts sent straight to your phone so you can stay ahead of the market movements and hopefully profit some more. Um, and without further ado, uh, Nick, why don't you run it? Heck yeah. That hey, never gets and old. And we got FIBO in the house this morning. GMG and FIBO. Glad you're here, man. Cool. Well, hey, let's dive in. Um, yeah, let's do it. I'm actually interested to hear a little bit from you directly about all of the good things that are actually going on. Um, I get kind of lost in the sauce sometimes. I just, you know, with a full job and everything else going on in my life, all the projects and stuff that I work on, sometimes I actually fall behind on a lot of this stuff. So I'm interested to hear some technical stuff from you as well this morning. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I think <clears throat> I was thinking about it and the way that I would spin what we're going to talk about today is just bringing it back towards the fundamentals, like, you know, fundamental analysis, talking about the things that matter about Bitcoin. Um, you know, as a first point, I just want to acknowledge that there was a lot of bad things that happened in the past week. Like our hearts go out to anybody that's been negatively affected by not just the FTX crash, but Voyager and Celsius and 3AC and all the crazy stuff that's been going on. Um, but the good news is that if you're here, if you're watching this stream, even if you're watching a recording of this stream, I believe that you're going to make it and that being here in this crypto crash is going to be one of the best things that you've ever experienced. Um, and we'll talk about why that is. Uh, so yeah. So what now, now that you're here, I want to talk about like, what's next, what should we all collectively be thinking about? What should we be doing? What should you as a viewer who is listening to the show be doing and thinking about? Oh, so John's internet's actually on the fritz. Um, so I'll just keep going. I promised him I'd carry the conversation if uh, he keeps flipping out, but hopefully we won't have too much more of a problem. Uh, simple answer to the question uh, from what we've actually been talking about throughout the week is stack more. Um, the, the health and wealth of the generational wealth that's uh, come down the line, almost all of it always comes from uh, crashed markets. Uh, people that actually stay on their game uh, while the market's down end up being the ones who come out on the bull market with way more 
wealth than uh, those who were either forced to wait or chose to wait uh, to invest in what they believed in. Um, John, you want to go into that a little bit more or? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And apologies for the network problems. I think that Texas is having some grid trouble uh, with the weather coming down, which actually, you know what, is a good point for later about energy usage and Bitcoin and how <laughs> I could help. <laughs> um, so just taking another negative thing and spinning it in a positive Tie way. Tie the threads um, all together. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so fundamentals. I mean, it's easy to say stack more, but, you know, we're sponsored by Roundly X and Roundly X makes a simple point of you can stack Bitcoin with as little as spare change, right? Fibo says the time to buy is when there's blood in the streets and that couldn't be any more correct. Um, so I want to just dive into some of the basics about Bitcoin and even about investment principles and hopefully have that be some encouragement to people who are listening. So first big thing is um, like supply. So if you don't know, there are only 21 million Bitcoin in existence, right? And that's really easy to verify. It can You can just run a couple of strings of code if you run your own Bitcoin node. Um, and if you just do some basic searches, you can see like this article that Nick just pulled up for us. Um, why is it set at 21 million? This article does a great job at breaking that down. Lots of reasonings behind it. Uh, but the main point is that we know for a fact that there's only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoin in existence. Um, and I mean, Pigeon, if it like even, you know, and people you talk to, I'm sure in your job, talk about inflation, right? This is something that most people just kind of know about these days that it's a thing, whether or not they know to what extent people know that inflation is happening, right? It's pretty Yeah, 100 yeah. percent. I was actually um, we had our Thanksgiving Day uh, dinner at work uh, the other day. I was talking to our CFO and uh, he's this wonderful guy from South Africa. Actually, I love listening to him talk just because he sounds elegant when he says anything. Yeah. Uh, but he uh, was actually brought up crypto randomly. And, uh, you know, I started talking to him a little bit about it. Uh, told him, uh, actually, we run like a full podcast <laughs> doing, <laughs> doing information about this um, and started filling him in on some stuff. And the first thing he said was, OK, 21 million supply. I get that. That makes sense because scarcity. Um, and I was interested that that was the first thing out of his mouth, right? Is like, there's some stuff that I don't understand, but this part makes a lot of sense to me as a TradFi person. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's even further evidence, obviously anecdotal, but um, I love hearing that from people who really understand the market even more than I do. And I think that's why it's a great place to start because it's something that's something that's really easy to wrap your head around. Like, you know, you can say, okay, we, we can verify that there's this many and then now that inflation is such a general topic, you know, between just standard inflation and then shrinkflation or, you know, smaller, smaller items like bigger packaging, whatever, the average consumer these days is thinking about this particular financial mechanism that most of the time, you know, nerds like us are the only ones that are talking about. But now most people know, hey, like the issuance rate of the U.S. dollar is a problem and it's losing like me individually money. Um, and then when you say, hey, there's only 21 million Bitcoin and there's now 8 billion people on the planet, you do that math, it's 0.002625 Bitcoin per person, which is about $43 per person of Bitcoin right now at today's prices wow. if you distributed Bitcoin equally among everyone. So wrapping your head around that scarcity is pretty insane. Um, well, and then you can also take it backwards to the fundamentals of how uh, economics and finance work too, right? Because you go, you know, what's the difference between um, Bitcoin and, say, the U.S. dollar? Well, let's look at inflation. Scarcity becomes a problem quickly. 
And we know from the basics of economics that scarcity makes things valuable. Um, and you can actually tie those threads together very simply uh, for even lay persons like myself to understand. Right. No, yeah. I mean, you have more of something and the demand stays the same and, you know, the value is going to go down. It's it's very basic. Um, and so I just want to like that's my first point is that Bitcoin is scarce. It continues to be scarce. And, uh, you know, a lot of people's response to that question is, well, isn't it down something like 70 or 80 percent from its all time high? I mean, yeah. But if you start thinking about the fact that it's priced in the U.S. dollar and the U.S. dollar is doing all this crazy stuff that we can't verify what they're doing, how much supply they have, you know, any of that kind of thing. And then you're going to ask them, OK, are you going to trust these people in Washington, D.C. or, you know, the politicians that run stuff? Are you going to trust those people to do a good job with the U.S. dollar supply? Or are you just going to trust the math, this program, Bitcoin? that's just going to continue rolling in perpetuity, regardless of what those politicians do. And um, that's why we always promote trustlessness, right? Like um, you don't have to trust, you don't have to believe it's there in black and white right in front of you. Um, right. The code speaks for itself once you understand it. Um, now, I actually have a question because I know we're diving into fundamentals and getting a little bit technical here. But um, when it comes to Bitcoin, there's this thing that maybe a lot of lay people don't understand called having yeah uh, not not like possessing bitcoin but like cutting in half having is how right. it's spelled right so if if things are having is that not like a uh a uh one for two split or a two for one split or something that's a really good question that's a very good question so what you're talking about is like a stock split right so where right. they have a yeah so so that's a good question it takes a certain amount of stock and then it uh divides them into smaller or, you know, uh, smaller or larger denomination, however you want to call that. Um, it's essentially the same amount of value, though. Um, so with with Bitcoin's halving, uh, it, it, that refers to the issuance rate of Bitcoin. So just like with the U.S. dollar, the Fed has to determine how much money they want to put in circulation. They kind of just make that decision arbitrarily. Like there's no set function that you can say, we know that the Fed is going to roll out X amount of dollars at X amount or Y rate, right? Mm -hmm. With Bitcoin, though, uh, it's really cool. Every 10 minutes, there's a block of transaction that's processed. And in exchange for processing that block, Bitcoin is released into the system. And every four years, uh, if you want to break down, I forgot to mention, if you want to break down, check out this article that Nick is highlighting right now. Um, we'll share it in the comments. But uh, every 10 minutes, that Bitcoin reward goes out. And right now... 6.25 Bitcoin is released into the system every 10 minutes. So that's the inflation rate, more or less, of Bitcoin. Uh, and it's verifiable. We can check that. We know that that's the rate. And, and we also know when that rate's going to change. So Satoshi Nakamoto, the creator of Bitcoin, wanted that to, in 2008. He saw the problem, or they, excuse me, saw the problem of inflation like we're seeing today and said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could track exactly what the inflation rate is going to be, rate is going to be over time. Uh, so in 2024, coming up really soon, they're going to have another halving and it's going to reduce the Bitcoin issuance rate from 6.25 down to 3.125 Bitcoin every 10 minutes. Okay, cool. um, so to specify, halving and the stock markets have zero anything to do with each other. This is exclusively correct. a Bitcoin function. Um, or sorry, a crypto function, I guess you could still do having with anything on the blockchain, right? Right. Um, 
but this is simply to alter the issuance rate on a steady curve over time, right? Yep, yep. So that way we can tell every four years, which conveniently lines up with election cycles. And I think that was on purpose. Um, mm -hmm. Bitcoin's having rate, right? It happens every four years. So you can tell like clockwork, you know, we know that the supply is going to drop. So when we started the conversation talking about scarcity, wrapping your head around 21 million Bitcoin is pretty easy. And then once you take the next step of, oh, this is perfect. I love this countdown clock. So this is the <laughs> countdown to the next time, to the next halving. March 23rd, 2024, we're going to drop to just 3.125 Bitcoin issued every 10 minutes. Um, that level of certainty takes that trust out that we were talking about earlier. We don't have to trust these politicians to determine how how much money they want to release into the system. We can just count it down and we know it's going to happen for a fact. That gives me a lot of confidence in the money that I hold that scarcity is going to continue to be something that's a big deal. And if you believe that the dollar is going to continue inflating, but you need to have some sort of safe haven asset you know, that protects you from that type of rampant inflation that you can't predict. Um, and that also it, pulls out the uh, concern over people saying, well, isn't it down X from its all time high? Because that actually comes from a degree of uncertainty because of the fact that it's being compared to the US dollar. But yes. the uncertainty is not coming from Bitcoin. It's coming from the right. US dollar. Uh, Bitcoin, we know what the inflation rate is already. The uncertainty comes exclusively from the U.S. dollar and the fact that we don't know what's going to happen with this. We have to, you know, grip our arms of our chairs and like for wait the for the meeting where they're going to decide what's right. going to happen to your money. Yep. And I, I don't something else like on a more practical level that I would say kind of in addition to what you said, a great point um, is that Bitcoin may be down from its all time high. Yes. But if you think about if you zoom out a little bit, Bitcoiners love to say that. If you zoom out just a little bit, you'll see that we're actually resting at right close to the top of the previous market cycle. So in 2017, which was a long time ago now, I feel like ancient say, talking about the 2017 run. But in 2017, Bitcoin topped out at $20,000. <laughs> yeah. So it topped out at $20,000 as its all time high. And people were euphoric and thought it was the best and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And now here we are in 2022 and it's sitting around $16,000, which is really close to the previous top of the market. And people are in despair and in doldrums that were only at sixteen thousand dollars, but in twenty seventeen we dropped back down to like single thousands of dollars of Bitcoin price. Right. I think it bottomed at like three thousand or something like that, which is and less while, than half a decade ago. It, good point. Thank you for making me feel even older. <laughs> um, but no, I mean it's, it's I mean, not that long. It's we, not that long. About in, like a new yeah. technology that comes out of nowhere. You know, nobody yes. expected Henry Ford to, uh, you know get from model t to tesla in 20 years right and but that's exactly what bitcoin has pulled off yeah you're exactly right so a little bit of perspective is important it's like yes bitcoin's down from its all-time high you know people like kind of mock it and say that it's not an inflationary asset but to me you know if you've been dollar cost averaging for four plus years the odds that you're in profit with bitcoin are very high and the odds that you've lost money with dollars if you dollar cost average in four years is also very high because of the inflation rate that we can't predict. Um, right. Some some numbers have us as like you've lost 80% value even in the past four years based off of how much money the government's had to print because of the pandemic. So, you know, we and we can't like that back to our point, we can't even confirm how much value the dollar has lost because of the system.
Um, yeah. Whereas it's very easy to tell where Bitcoin is on its value scale. When you say because of the system, that's largely because of the, just the simple basics of the infrastructure of how our monetary system is built, right? Is that what you mean? Yes, exactly right. Because there's all of these layers that kind of prevent basic consumers like us from knowing exactly where we stand. Like there's the credit system, right? And just credit mm -hmm. backs up, you know, it, it includes lots of fees at every step. So it's very expensive. It backs up a real view of where value is actually stored because it keeps pushing a transaction further and further back. Um, and yeah, so this this illustration that Nick's got up right here is is a really good uh, view, I guess, of centering what value looks like on a broader scale, like from the monetary structure that we kind of have. Um, there's I, we can scroll through this, uh, Nick, and just kind of go over. So the uh, coins and banknotes. What we're what we're seeing is these little squares represent dollar values more or less, and so you can get an idea of how much money and how much value is locked up in our system that we have to try and wrap our heads around when we consider the value of the US dollar. Um, and then compare that to that one little bitty brick at the very beginning of where crypto is. And the layers of complexity just kind of, in my mind, say, well, I'm just going to use Bitcoin because I can, I know exactly what the inflation rate is. I know exactly how the value sits. And compared to the global wealth that currently exists, Bitcoin's upside is massive. I mean, absolutely massive. If it took even, you know, 10% of the derivatives market share, we're looking at, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars per Bitcoin. Look at that. That's crazy. Wow. I'm going to have to actually view that after the fact and, and really break it down. I don't understand all of that. Uh, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll be interested to actually dive a little deeper this afternoon. And again, people watching can find these resources that we're talking about linked under the comments on Twitter. Um, we'll also put those into the YouTube description so you can see those. But um, essentially the main point here is that the current system is so convoluted and so controlled by a group of people that we can't audit, right? We can't control or have any real insight into why they're making their decisions. Whereas Bitcoin is steady, it's constant, it's predictable. It's not going to change without massive, you know, um, struggle. Honestly, it's really difficult to make Bitcoin change. So, I feel good. Yeah, about that. and the the crazy thing about all this is that like all the stuff that's been going on lately creates all this uncertainty and doubt. And then, you know, I I talk to multiple people in the crypto sphere, and all of the like OGs or the veterans are like. Right. Yeah. No, that's, it's no biggie. Like they, just, yeah. <laughs> that's what's so funny about it to me is like, if you talk to someone, like, well, how did this change your like long-term strategy? You're like, what? I don't understand. It did. Like, why, yeah. would it, why would it affect that? Like, let, let me explain how Bitcoin works again for the right. umpteenth time. Yeah. And, and tell you why this doesn't affect me at all. So I kind of want to take a quick pause before we move on to the next section. I want to talk about improvements in Bitcoin. But so why why does what we're talking about tie back to our title of why is the crypto crash good? You know, haven't people lost lots of money? Isn't regulation coming? It, aren't we, you know, going to suffer because of all of the bad things going on? I would say, you know, it depends on your short and long term perspective. But at the end of the day, for me, I'm extremely thankful for this crypto crash because I honestly was under the impression that we were going to be in six figure Bitcoin prices by now. 
and we're below all-time high from 2017. So if you were around in 2017 hearing about Bitcoin and you were like, oh, I'm so sad that I didn't get in, now is an unprecedented opportunity. You know, you get the opportunity to put is you can you can buy a fraction of a Bitcoin. You don't have to go drop sixteen thousand dollars. You can put a dollar into Bitcoin. My little sister in 2017 put five dollars into Bitcoin, waited for a couple of months and it was worth one hundred and fifty dollars. Now, granted, that's because of when she got in. But as I said before, if your dollar cost averaging, if you're putting small amounts of dollars into Bitcoin over a long period of time, four plus years almost guarantees profit if you look back at the cycle. So. This is opportunity. And honestly, um, and now this is obviously not financial advice. This is just what we think about what's going on and how we play things. Yep. Um, but uh, I mean, my long-term strategy is actually longer than that. Um, I'm not yeah. really worried about 12% uh, annual profit or anything like that. I'm, right. I'm thinking about long-term, what do I have to pass down to my children or or, well, if I don't have kids, we'll see. Or <laughs> shorter I, term, can you retire? Right, yeah. In, in let's say, 20 years. If I retire yeah. 20 years from now, I'll be doing amazingly. Mm -hmm. um, and if yeah. I have DCA, I don't really see a whole lot of an issue with that, um, assuming things continue to be the way that they are. Now, I will say the only thing that um, I always like to caveat is with Bitcoin, because... Here's here's the big argument that I hear against Bitcoin that um, I don't disagree with is, well, what if our societies become tyrannical and um, or we run out of food or something like that? And I always tell people, like, look, <laughs> if if our struggles become about basic food and fending off wolves and keeping the tyrant at bay, none of your investments are really going <laughs> to. None of your yeah. investments are going to matter. So I'm, I am to some extent hoping that, you know, civilization continues. I think that's a hundred percent fair. Um, but if, if civilization crashes, they're a hundred percent, right. I'm, I'm all bets are off, you yeah. know, like electricity's gone. The nodes aren't going right. to work anymore. Okay. I, yeah. I, I get that, but, uh, you know, you kind of have to weigh your options. You know, I am right. still crossing my fingers that, uh, we don't go full the road. Uh, right. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I laugh at that question, too, because it's like, you know, Bitcoin is is this very novel thing that gives us freedom on levels that humans haven't experienced in a long time. Like I would say Magna Carta days, potentially, you know, like we haven't seen this new level of freedom where humans are like, whoa, we can we can flourish to this degree. It's almost like it's not real. You know, the people yeah. who were around during the Magna Carta were like, we have rights like we don't have to like obey this deity king person anymore this is crazy is this real is it going to last you know and then people are like oh well if the world ends what is your freedom then you know it's the same thing yeah, you know as like bitcoin <laughs> like if we're talking about well if there's a global emp bitcoin's not going to work you're like yeah and like you're also <laughs> going to really struggle to get food so you know good point joe <laughs> yeah taken yeah so but we're not you know we're talking about we're i think that bitcoin people tend to be viewed as um you know, like doomsdayers or into the world people or preppers or whatever. But I think that we also have a certain amount of optimism, too, because we're thinking, hey, we believe that the system can continue to work and evolve. And this is the next evolution of that, you know? Yeah, 100 um, percent. Yeah, I, I think that it's it's not doomsday. It's actually quite the opposite. Like people who think doomsday 
just see like we're looking at everything else going guys please hold your end of things together so that we can make this happen like please just just keep the supply chains running long enough for us to get bitcoin to where everybody uses it and it, it'll be okay just please hold it together before then uh, yeah and that's why we sound like doomsdayers a lot is because we're we are super optimistic about what's going to happen with the technological future. We just want the basics to like maintain Survive. until we get there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So as a last point, um, oh, and yeah, so Nick points out um, our, our good friend 3D, uh, he does a show here for, on Bitcoin Live. Uh, he answers a lot of these questions in the big Bitcoin questions, part one and two. So if you're interested in having a, a more granular breakdown about what we're talking about, you can check out that show on Bitcoin Live. Uh, it's going to be on the YouTube channel. Um, so last thing that I wanted to say kind of about the the scarcity aspect of Bitcoin before we move on to improvements um, is a big, a big thing that came out of the FTX scandal that I think was a really good thing was El Salvador's commitment to a Bitcoin standard. Mm -hmm. um, rumor has it, and I don't know if this is confirmed or not, and I don't want to dive into it too much because I said I'm not going to talk about that issue very much. People say that El Salvador may have lost some Bitcoin in this big scandal that happened. Whether or not they did is beside the point. Uh, the president, Nayib Bukele, uh, has been buying Bitcoin. But after this scandal, especially with the IMF and the WEF and all these other three-letter uh, agencies reaching out to his country, asking him to stop being on a Bitcoin standard because you know of X, Y, and Z. At the end of the day, it's because it threatens their power. He kind of thumbed his nose at the man and said, we're going to be buying Bitcoin every single day as a nation. Thanks, Nick. Always on it, as always. You can check out this article title here. Um, he wants, he yeah, we we are buying one Bitcoin every day starting from tomorrow. And that was like a couple days ago. So now, okay, you have, I love this because I was on Bitcoin Live up to a year ago with Paul, who is on the chat right now, and Nick and Jan. And we were talking about how crazy is it going to be when a country commits to buying Bitcoin regularly? And it just happened like it just happened this past <laughs> week. So now if we if we think about the having going down to just three point one two Bitcoin being issued every 10 minutes and take one of those Bitcoin per day off the table because El Salvador is going to be buying it, you know, and then you think about BlackRock and JP Morgan and the United States and Russia and China and all of the billionaires that want exposure to inflation proof assets. And then people like me and you who are dollar cost averaging every single day. Do you, how long do we think that that supply is going to last before things really start to change? You know, um, so it makes me excited. Long. It's not going to be long. I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked. Now, granted, we are still early. Um, yeah. Again, we have to rem remember that we uh, actually, uh, sorry, <laughs> Fibo's distracting me with the chat. No, me too, me too. Okay, <laughs> we, we should just sidebar real quick. Fibo is asking in the chat, is El Salvador using RandallyX? Naib, if you are listening to this, please start using RallyX. Use code gingerly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Continue, Vision. Um, sorry, uh, run me back. What were we talking about? Yeah, we were talking about the fact that the supply shock is going to be real because we've got nation states committing to buying it every single day. Oh, yeah. You talk about buying one Bitcoin every day. I mean, that's like a third of the blocks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how long does it normally well, take to every solve ten a block? every ten minutes? Every ten minutes, okay. So you so, have to do some math there. I mean, yeah, I'd have to do the math, uh, which is not my strong point. But <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> simple math, I can't do. I, I can do like algebraic equations and, and higher than that, but man, simple math just boggles the brain. I think it's the uh, the old Shireweed 
um, has certainly <laughs> slowed my mind. Um, but if you do the math, I mean, think about that in a proportion of how much Bitcoin they're actually buying of the total supply. Yeah, uh, there's there's not going to be much left if people that's that's kind of why I'm, that's, I'm doing this yeah. for my family almost like, yes, um, I, I just think about, you know, if we break up our investments, we, we tend to have kind of like an insider idea about the family and we keep the family tight. Um, and try and take care of each other when we can. And, you know, we kind of split our asset generation between a couple different people. And I'm the guy that's responsible for the crypto. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I really need to manage this properly and continue to properly DCA because one day I believe that everything else is going to be significantly less valuable than Bitcoin. You're going to right. need Bitcoin for all the other stuff. Um, but anyway, so I, I'm kind no, of that's good. tangent. Yeah, I mean, this episode is four tangents. We, you know, we want we want people to feel like we're covering stuff that they would ask. You know. Yeah, yeah, and I'm a dummy, so I, I like having somebody who's knowledgeable to actually ask the questions <laughs> to. And I'm actually I'm having trouble holding it in. What What are the improvements that you're talking about coming down the road? Yeah, that's that's a great segue. So, um, what what's we say in the bear market? Like bear markets for building, and um, what we mean by that is that there's a lot of capitulation, and a lot of people leave. But this is when the builders, the people who are committed to getting stuff done, actually make some big improvements. And amazingly enough, one of the big builders in this cycle has been uh, gasoline and oil companies. So just recently, Shell announced a uh, brand new Bitcoin cooling tech that's going to dramatically improve uh, Bitcoin sustainability and energy usage. And if you recall, recently we did an episode, episode three of Gingerly, What the FUD? where we talked about one of the main concerns about Bitcoin is its energy usage. And we pointed to ExxonMobil and a couple of other large companies that were making improvements. And this just happened, I believe it was a week ago. Uh, yeah, very recently um, that Shell announced that they're doing this sizable investment into improving Bitcoin's energy usage. So um, we were just talking before the show started about energy concerns in the EU um, and I'm sure that that's going to come over to the U.S. before too much longer. It's always a trickle-down effect. But I genuinely believe that a way out of our environmental or energy consumption problems is by making Bitcoin more sustainable. Hey, look at those pretty faces. <laughs> Gingerly <laughs> episode three. If you want to know more about the energy conversation, definitely go check that out. Um, we dive into it deep and have some great resources. But um, Actually, we yeah. were just talking about um, the, the heating node right? That, that's I mean, true. People are going to have to heat their houses come winter. Yeah. So um, Fibo, who's in chat, he actually, uh, we were just talking about this recently this past week. So there's a brand new heater. Um, and I'm sorry, Nick, I forgot to, to put the link to this in here, but there's a, there's a space heater. It's really pretty. It's like one of those taller things. Um, and it mines Bitcoin and it uses the heat to like heat your house. And so, um, there's this new futuristic sci-fi wave of like possibility where all of our appliances, they, they all emit heat. Um, they could all mine Bitcoin. And so instead of consuming energy, you could technically be like, you know, either net neutral or even positive on the energy that you use by the Bitcoin that you mine from your appliances that you would use anyway. Boom. I knew you'd find it, Nick. Heat bit. Oh, man, I was searching. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So yeah. This just That's dropped. The producer, not me. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Always <laughs> on it. Um, so what's crazy is, is it's just it's like twelve hundred bucks, and I and I feel like 
you'd beat that return on investment fairly, fairly quickly. I mean, it's energy that you would use anyway, right? So I've, yeah. I've heard of people building their own Bitcoin mining nodes to heat greenhouses and such like that. Like I have a, a farmer friend that does that, but this is so practical, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah Fibo just mentioned- scale like that. Yeah, it's consumer friendly. Yeah. Fibo just mentioned in chat that the water heater will be next. And like that, that makes a whole lot of sense because we were, we were talking in our chat, what do you do in the summer? You know, like, how do you, how do you utilize this? Um, and a water heater makes a lot of sense, you know, if you're yeah. not going to be using it that way. So improvements are happening. Bitcoin sitting at the top of the previous market cycle as it's low, you know, that, that makes me feel really bullish appliances being able to mine bitcoin doing stuff that you would already be doing to get you to be net positive on your energy that's huge i mean i didn't think that that would happen in our lifetime to be honest um i would love to by the way do an episode uh soon about uh mining using appliances and whatnot like as many cpus and whatnot you have just kind of like in your house i wonder uh like if you tried to kind of optimize like a action rpg player or something how much Bitcoin we could generate out of our households with just the appliances that we have currently, yeah. like without buying anything extra, what can I set up and how to do that? That would be a really fun conversation. So uh, this makes me think of yet another news story and Nick, no pressure on this one, uh, but Roundly X tweeted a news story earlier this week. There's a town in Canada that just announced uh, the Bitcoin building. And it's literally an apartment complex that does exactly what you're saying. Every appliance that oh, they can awesome. possibly turn into a Bitcoin mining machine, they have. And so <laughs> you get to go like, and as a part of your rent's discounted because you can like, you know, opt to contribute your mining to the to your rent. Um, and then you also get a share of the, the Bitcoin that gets mined by the apartment that you live in. So uh, there's crazy innovation wow. coming. Um, it's really positive i'm really excited about it so are those the big uh those are the big improvements um or should we maybe mention like what stacks is doing as well um you know honestly i wanted to we can tease that a little bit sure i wanted to keep this more of a bitcoin conversation um for one particular reason uh so my one of the easiest things that i tell people the difference between bitcoin and cryptocurrency is that bitcoin doesn't have a ceo and why is that important because one person can't be arrested by the government and then have the project shut down. Right. A lot of people like to think even Ethereum is super decentralized um, and that's up for debate, obviously. But the fact remains that Vitalik could be arrested tomorrow and could potentially like shut down or significantly injure the chain. Um, mm -hmm. And that happened with, you know, that happened with multiple people. There's people on the run right now, like Doquan, the founder of Luna. He was the guy who started it, right? He's the founder and he's known and he's now on the run because he crashed his chain and now governments view him as the person responsible for that failure. But Bitcoin doesn't have a CEO. Bitcoin doesn't have a person that can be locked up. It's math. It's math that computers are running just like the internet. You know, you could say, is there a person that you could lock up to prevent global access to the internet? I mean, not really. There's not really. Yeah. So... Bitcoin's very similar. And, um, you know, I just, I, I want people, I, I'm a minimalist myself. And what I mean by that is mostly Bitcoin, um, but I'm not opposed to making money on other cryptocurrencies that are doing really cool things. The thing yeah. is, is that just like the stock market, unless you have a particular advantage or an edge, which is usually either who you know, what you know, or when you know, if you don't have any of those advantages, 
probably just stick to Bitcoin because it's going to be just as tricky as the stock market. However, that being said, there are really cool innovations being built on top of Bitcoin, and it's not just Stacks. So Stacks is a Web3 technology that enables smart contracts to be built on top of Bitcoin. And me and Pigeon both really like what they're doing. Um, there are other alternatives to that too, like Liquid Bitcoin. Um, and I know that several other projects are working on building smart contracts on top of Lightning, which is essentially a layer two protocol that's built on Bitcoin. Lightning Network is really cool. It's instant. It's almost free. Um, and so, yeah, there's lots of very fascinating Web3 developments that are happening that I think will make Bitcoin more resilient uh, down the road. Okay, cool. Sorry, I'm diving a little too hard there, I guess. No, yeah. And I think um, <laughs> I think we definitely should do a Stacks episode um, on Gingerly one of these days because me and you are both really, really into it. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, for, for the beginners out there, I think that it's really important for us, for them to hear us saying Bitcoin first, like figure out Bitcoin. It, use use strike you know strike is an app that only does bitcoin unless you dollar cost average for free uh, with no fees to buy just start with that and then do some research and if you feel like you learn and you get an edge then move on so that's kind of my that's kind of my perspective if you can make it in bitcoin then maybe you can make it in crypto but uh make sure you can make it in bitcoin first work so yeah um, so that was kind of our, I, I kind of want to hear more. You, you mentioned your conversation with the CFO. Um, I kind of want to hear how that went because, you know, you've been having some good conversations recently and I think that those are important to talk about. Well, so the conversation with, uh, the CEO, um, or sorry, CFO was a little bit constrained by the fact that we were sitting like, uh, family style with like 30 people. Um, so it was a little noisy. But the thing that I really took away from that specifically was that when it comes down to it, there's not all that many people who actually really know what's going on with Bitcoin. And right. so I've been sort of trying to train to get better at explaining it and in a way that people can actually process in a simple conversation. Like I don't, ultimately the answer is like, go read the white paper, right? Um, when it comes down to it, go read the, and I asked him and he hadn't read the white paper. I was like, oh, okay, well, so that's a big part of why you probably don't understand it as well as you'd like to is you haven't done any research on it yet. You, all you've right. done is look at news articles and maybe heard about it a little bit from this person or that person, but you have to actually read about it and do some research to fully understand it. Um, so when I was, I'm not naturally a very social person. I'm actually socially kind of awkward uh, when it comes down to it, uh, especially with people that I don't know. I hate being in large groups of people um, and actually being myself. So back in the day, I started uh, in total nerd fashion. I started going to bars to practice being social. And I would do really awkward stuff, like just watch walk up to a table of people and be like, hi, you know, like my name's Taylor. Um, you know, why, what do you like about this bar? You know, like yeah, weird yeah. things and crashed and burned a lot. Uh, but eventually I got to the point where I would do uh, this thing called uh, holding court. And what I would do is I would walk out to the smoking area of my favorite bar. And then whoever came out to uh, smoke, I would just start a conversation with them. And I got really good at it. Uh, and I also got good at kind of raising my status at the bar. So people would recognize me off the that you know I, I like being able to walk into a place and be like hey you know hey, what's up Joe? yeah you know yeah, doing that is <laughs> a lot of fun for me um now that i know how to do it a little bit better 
And I'm kind of trying to go through that progression with Bitcoin now, where it's like, okay, I have this long list of topics that I can talk about at a bar. How do I add Bitcoin to that list of topics that I can just uh, talk about? <laughs> um, by the way, FIBO, what we always say is, can I have a dragon hat? <laughs> if you ask somebody for a dragon hat in a smoking area, they will always understand what you mean that, that you want to drag of that. <laughs> I love it. That's anyway, awesome. Fun word games. Uh, so as I progressed through that conversation, talking to the CFO was actually kind of a milestone for me because I was able to talk to somebody who's very well educated in the TradFi space, uh, but he was also able to understand what I was saying about Bitcoin. And by the end of the conversation, he was like, you know, I really should read the white paper. Like, that's actually, there you go. like, I don't know why I haven't done that yet. And I was like, hey, you know, it's a short read and you probably understand it even better than I do. Uh, being able to kind of be humble about that was was a fun and interesting uh, sort of gambit to be able to play with him is, hey, man, you should you should look into this, you know. Um, and also in that conversation, he actually was like, you know, I, I get the advantage over fiat. He was like, I just don't understand like versus gold and like some sort of standard valuable object. He was like, I don't understand what makes Bitcoin valuable. And it's like, oh, OK, well, that's actually a pretty easy leap to make once you kind of bury your head in the books for a second. Right. Um, so I think that he's going to actually be probably DCA in Bitcoin. I'm going to ask That's him awesome. next time I see him because he's he's from Georgia, so he doesn't get up here all that often. But um, next time I see him, I think I'm going to talk to him about it and see if he's had time to read the white paper yet. So we'll be able to follow up on that conversation. That's really cool. And like, so I think it also speaks to kind of where we are in, you know, uh, Bitcoin education. Uh, just a couple of years ago, if you could ask people, hey, have you heard of Bitcoin? And they'd say no, <laughs> you know, so right. the fact that we're able to carry on casual conversation at, you know, with your boss or like for me at the bar or wherever it's it's encouraging. You know, we're not we're not quite yeah. as early as we used to be. And I'm glad I've, I'm kind of tired of being early. <laughs> um, I'm ready for something else. Yeah. So um, and then another good point from what you said, too, that I, I don't think that we've actually said on Gingerly yet is uh, go read the white paper. If you haven't read the Bitcoin oh, white sorry. paper yet, go do that. It's super short. Like you said, it's a it's not that hard of a read, honestly. It may feel like a little technical when you first dive in, but. I mean, it's a very short read about one of the most radically impressive financial devices that humanity's ever seen. So you should check it out. Yeah, I try to just read it every once in a while and read it all the way through. Even if I don't understand a section, I'll read it all the way through and then come back to it in like a month and then read it all the way through again. And there's like sections that unlock um, for me yeah. slowly but surely, right? And it's like the first read through, it was just the first section, like the, um, uh, what do you call that uh, on a like research paper? What's section one there, Nick? Oh, it's um, the, not the, oh, it's like abstract, right? Or yeah, abstract is the word I'm looking for, but it's yeah. just called an introduction here. Um, yeah, the abstract was one of those things where it's like, I didn't understand that at first. And right. so I read the white paper and then I came back to you and talked to you a little bit, talked to a couple of other people that I know. And then I was like, okay, I understand the abstract now. And then I got to section one, right? Like, and you just work your way through it like that, read it a few times. And eventually you, you suddenly are, um, you know, you start a Twitter and, and 
start saying things like GM and wag me and and then you start a show. And... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely, it's definitely a read. I feel like everyone should read it. If you're watching this show, you've already made enough investment. You're 43 minutes into this stream. Just go ahead <laughs> and go watch the Bitcoin white or read It'll the Bitcoin. less paper. time than this episode to actually yeah, read the white paper. <laughs> exactly. Um, so cool. So I kind of want to just go full freaking circle. Why is the crypto crash good? We've talked about a lot of really mind-bogglingly impressive things about Bitcoin. And uh, I personally feel like going and market buying some Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> but I understand, too, that we're in a really rough situation economically. A lot of people can't afford to just go out and market buy however much Bitcoin. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's something that even I get stuck in this feeling of like, ah, I can't save because I have to spend. I've got all these bills and I can't cover it. So I just kind of wanted to hit a couple things that have helped me in my bear market. So I, I was counting up. I think I've had three bear markets so far. Um, oh, wow. And and honestly, like, why are you still here, John? Like, why are you still doing shows and why are you still working? Well, it's because I, I'm stupid and I didn't get it right the first couple times. <laughs> so um, that's why I'm doing this episode. I want people who watch this to kind of have a leg up. Um, the, the crypto crash is good because... If I was just learning about Bitcoin at the bottom of the bear market in, you know, 2014, 15, I would do these things differently. And one is I would earn as much Bitcoin as I can. So if you don't have money to spend, you can earn Bitcoin. There's several good ways to do it. You can do things like um, the Fold app has a daily little wheel spin that you can do that gives you uh, fractions of a Bitcoin every single day. Um, the Lolly app has a little daily stash button that you can click on to get you free Bitcoin every day. And it's small amounts, but um, that stuff adds up over time. You can also do things like referral links. For instance, RoundlyX has a really nice referral system where you can get $4 of Bitcoin every time you refer somebody. Both Fold and Lolly have referral systems. Um, the Strike app that I mentioned that's free buying of Bitcoin, they have a referral system. Um, believe it or not, I mean... I've made and like, you know, I've paid taxes on this FYI, so I'm good here. But I've made like over $2,000 on just basic referral links from the previous market cycle. And then that Bitcoin appreciates, right? Mm -hmm. So $10 referrals in, in the bottom of one market cycle turn into thousands of dollars at the top of the next market cycle. If you're making referrals and earning Bitcoin when Bitcoin is worth $16,000, when it's worth $100,000, you're going to be, you know, it's like a 10x almost. So yeah, thanks yeah. for that. This is Strike here. Um, it's it's a Bitcoin only app, which I like. You can do dollar cost averaging. Um, so yeah, you you can earn Bitcoin. You don't have to spend money on it. And, and it's just a little bit of time each day. It's just tapping a button and you're getting free Bitcoin. Um, then the other actually, one, oh, yeah, go for sorry it. to interrupt. Um, that's actually something that you and I need to sit down and have a little bit longer conversation about because that's something I need to be doing more of. Um, that as I'm learning, I'm, I'm going, oh, actually, I, yeah, this is something that I could sit down and do in like less than five minutes a day and right. be actually further DCAing uh, the way that I want to. So right. uh, we need to have a conversation about that at some point. Yeah. And then taking it even a step further with earning Bitcoin now, well, I'm, I'm like jealous for past me because nowadays there are even games that you can play that rewards you in Bitcoin for uh, playing them. You know, you can like just go through and it's like, uh, I don't know if you've seen those uh, like capitalist tycoon clicker games or whatever, but it's just basic yeah. clicker games that you can play 
they're mildly entertaining, but they do reward you in Bitcoin. Uh, so there's Lolly. They give you cash back on Bitcoin when you shop. But then also, like I mentioned, you can just tap their daily rewards button and just get free Bitcoin. Um, one other one that I didn't put on the list that I've been really appreciating recently. Um, I use the Brave browser to block all of my ads and they pay you in their native token. But I like Bitcoin. So I found this uh, add-on that's called Slice um, and it blocks the ads. And instead of paying you in the brave token it pays you in bitcoin so that's another way that i earn sats um yeah. yeah so you don't have to buy bitcoin and that's something that's really important about this particular downturn is that the opportunity for free bitcoin is pretty much unprecedented um so yeah we can definitely yeah exactly so there's lots of opportunity to take take advantage of but then really coming full circle to kind of wrap things up um Accumulating Bitcoin is not difficult. You can use apps like RoundlyX and just invest spare change, right? So RoundlyX works where you swipe your card, uh, it rounds that purchase up to the nearest dollar and then puts it into Bitcoin. Um, if you combo that roundup dollar cost averaging style with a recurring buy, recurring buy just means, you know, every day or every two weeks, every paycheck, you're putting in a certain amount at regular intervals. Then with roundups, you add randomness to that. And so your dollar cost averaging all the time. You're taking advantage of all the price movements and it's all automated. So you don't have to think about it. It takes away that feeling of dread that you get when you think about, oh, I wish that I could save more, but I have to cover these bills. Well, with these automated systems in place, you can spend less than you would spend on coffee in a month and you can be accumulating Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's extremely powerful and it's a real opportunity to change your life in the next four, 10 years, you know, that you wouldn't get if you were just saving dollars. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's why I think that this, uh, this particular crash is a good thing. If you survive, if you do your research, if you put a little skin in the game, you can change your life. You know, it, it's very low effort compared to other things. Um, and, uh, yeah, even though it's, it seems like it's a bad place to be in, there's lots of bad news coming around. The OGs aren't concerned because we get the opportunity to accumulate more of the thing that we care most about. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, um, so I did some research um, ahead of this episode and whatnot, and I, I got curious about the similarities between what we're going through with Web3 and what people went through uh, as computers were coming about for the first time ever. Um, and I, I found this article and I went ahead and did some editing to a quote that I wanted to share, um, if that's all right with you. Yeah, um, go for it. This is actually written by Charles Rubin. Uh, this is an article in Personal Computing uh, from 1983 on the phenomenon and the dangers of computer phobia, which is what they called it back then. Um, so I went ahead and swapped out uh, some of the words to make it you know, Web3 appropriate. He's, he wrote, the most important thing to remember about cryptophobia is that it's a natural reaction to something unfamiliar. If you're trying to use a cryptocurrency, or he would have said a personal computer, um, or are considering using one, remember, allow yourself to be a little ignorant for a while. Plan to spend some time learning. Give the cryptocurrency a chance to prove itself before you decide you can't use it. Take things one step at a time. Make sure you read the documentation carefully. It's hugely important. And finally, don't forget that you're in charge, not the cryptocurrency. Wow. Now, it's hilarious to me because and hopefully to other people as well, that Charles Rubin uh, felt the need to write a full article on the dangers of computer phobia and teach people how to deal with their 
anxieties and and uh, legitimate like fright when it comes to computers. They were worried that you know the computers were gonna literally like suck them in and take them over somehow. You know, right? And I think people have similar uh, uncertainty, doubt, and fear around cryptocurrencies. Um, and and they that's a healthy thing. That's what I that's what I think is so important about this article uh, that he actually wrote was. Yeah. Yeah. You should be careful. Yes. (laughs) Like always be careful with finances. Oh, that's, that's important to know, but read the documentation. Don't forget that you're actually in charge. That's why we always say not your keys, not your coins. Um, You have to take responsibility and be in charge. And that's one of the things that I think our understanding of that is actually what allows us to look at the bear market and be like, yay. Yeah. No, that's true. And I think you raise a really good point. And I think that's a good, it's even a good way to close is that each person has their own level of risk tolerance. They have their own level of personal responsibility that they're okay with taking. And now in this current cycle, Bitcoin is at a place where honestly, it's really, really easy to put some skin in the game, no matter where you are in your own personal journey. It used to be where you had to make a pretty big commitment, uh, you know, because you used to be it used to be difficult to buy a dollar worth of bitcoin there used to be lots of fees it used to take a lot of time you used to not be able to earn it but now you can get in regardless of how you feel about it if you hate bitcoin but you think ah maybe i should just you know go earn a little free bitcoin and read the white paper do that you know that's a great place to start and before you know it you're going to be on a gingerly episode talking about <laughs> how awesome bitcoin is <laughs> So yeah, there you go. I hope that this has been a little bit of encouragement. It has been for me. I'm already feeling a lot better. Um, You know, this week has been really challenging, even for someone like me who's been through three bear market cycles. So um, my final word is if, if you're struggling, you know, if you're depressed, that's, that's legitimate. This is hard. This is not easy to watch the dollar value of your portfolio go down, but we're in it for the long game. We're here to stack more Bitcoin. We're here to make generational wealth that we can pass along to our kids and there are people like me and Pigeon oh, here to help I'm encourage you. Alive. Leave me alone. <laughs> Go away. Sorry. So, <laughs> I hope you didn't hear all that. No, it's all good. Okay, good. I'm muted um, myself. So, so yeah, um, that's where you know, that's that's where we're at. We're here to help. We're here to learn, and um, I'm excited for the next couple of years. So yeah, I'm I'm stoked as well. And um, I I do want to say before we close out, don't forget everybody go sign up for Randly X. It's super simple. It's easy to use. It's set it and forget it. You can DCA and maybe pay off a Subaru or something crazy um, and use the code gingerly so that they know that uh, you came from us. Uh, we want them to to see how invested everybody who watch these videos are in DCAing and, and using around the X as an easy tool um, in order for these companies to help us bring Web3 to become a reality. We have to use them. So please go check them out. Uh, see if it'll work for you, uh, because we really think it will. And get you some of that free Bitcoin. You got to start somewhere. Woot. So, yeah. With that, thanks so much for everybody for watching. Really appreciate your time. Pigeon, happy Sunday, my dude. Same Nick, you. if you wouldn't mind, cue the outro.